You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Um, what a great introduction. Thank you, sir. Excited for your church and the Seattle area breaking the 500 after two years. Wow, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, so we planted our church 23 years ago. And uh, before ARC, I always like to say it was pre-ARC. And uh, it was before the, uh, the internet. So that, that's, that's how long we've been going, long time. And didn't really uh, have a lot of information about planting churches, but uh, we, get, we gave it a go. We had seven people move with us into Memphis and um, didn't know a soul. And every year, we uh, thankfully, by God's grace, we've grown uh, both numerically and in our income. And uh, so I think the lowest year, the smallest year for us has been 4%. Uh, but uh, we've grown every year, so we're thankful for that. And so finances are an interesting subject, an interesting thing to talk about. I think there are two things that you always have to be working on and developing uh, as a pastor. Number one are your leaders. Leaders, uh, who's coming up and who are, who are you raising up? And what's your dream team look like? Uh, and then number two is your, your finances. I think it's, some, it's something you always have to be working on, something you always have to be developing. You cannot just hope that, uh, you know, a couple of minute exhortation on Sunday morning is going to be everything you need to take the offering. And the week, weekend offerings are going to be all that, all, all, you know, uh, it's going to take care of all your needs. You've got to have, you know, you've got to have a real intentionality and a real focus on developing your, your finances, developing givers, developing your budget. And so I've got a little, uh, so, so, some thoughts that I'm going to give you, a little message I'm going to, I'm going to share with you. I have one of, uh, one of our staff and team uh, with us that, uh, there's some music playing in the background, I think. Yeah, yeah we'll shut that down somehow. Um, one of our guys, Stephen, is in the back. Stephen Lynch, just wave at everybody. I'm going to probably have Stephen come up, who is just joined our staff in the last few months and is talking about those two things, you know, mon- mon- people and money. And, and so Stephen's, Stephen's responsibility is 100% to help us develop our financial budget. And uh, his, his, uh, his title is Director of Financial Development. So he's, he's helping us with our vision partners, our kingdom builders, that group of high-capacity givers, but we are also just kind of developing a new thought. We'll talk about that uh, if we have time um, when it comes to even the, the even the lower levels of of uh, your 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 database in terms of those those that are giving and how to engage them and get them involved in your church. Often we focus on the high capacity guys, but you know there's a whole large group of people that aren't doing much at all financially, and if you can somehow engage them. Yeah. and get them involved, it can make all the difference in the world. So <clears throat> I, I kind of titled this little thing uh, that I'm going to do, Seven Pillars of Financial Wisdom. Seven Pillars of Financial Wisdom. And we'll kind of go through it quick enough to, to be able to have some Q&A at the end. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to talk about growing the church, you're going to have to talk about money. And I, I would say when you when you talk to the average pastor, the financial area 
is either something that is, is, is causing the church to be limited, you're feeling like this is a limitation, or this is something that's accelerating. You know, if I took a poll, some of you would say, yeah, this, this area of our church is great. It's accelerating the vision. Uh, and then some of you would say, I feel like this is absolutely a limitation. So uh, you got to talk about it. Senior pastors, if you're here, this is something you can't delegate. you got to have your hands on the wheels of the finances and have an understanding. Proverbs 9.1, here's what it says. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. That's great. Proverbs 9.1, wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. So wisdom will build your house. I know you're believing God for facilities and you're believing God for creativity and <coughs> sermon series and staff, all those things. Yes, those things help, but the foundation of all those things is wisdom. And wisdom will build your house as well, especially financial, financial wisdom. So let me go through them. Number one, honor. First pillar is honor. It's a culture of value in our church, and I know for many of you it's a, it's a value of the art. The word honor means to regard or treat someone or something with admiration and respect. So we're going to have a sense of honor for God's house. We're going to honor our pastor. Um, and we're honoring one principle, the tithe. We're going to honor the Lord with the tithe, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing. So, uh, one key way we show honor is by tithing. For us, as our church, tithing is the bread and butter of our church. Something I teach, I teach on it twice a year. Very clearly, two, two, two messages at least, one in the spring, one in the fall. Every other year, we'll do a financial series where we focus on finances but at least twice a year from the pulpit, I'm teaching on tithing. I'm a tither. I've been tithing for 32 uh, years since I was 20 years old. My wife and I have been married 29 years. We've been tithing for 29 years. We expect our staff to tithe, our team to tithe. Our key leaders in our church are expected to tithe. Yes, we do look at giving records, and it's a discipleship moment if someone has stopped tithing. We uh, are involved. We are encouraging them. We've got to lead the way in this. This is something we have to lead the way in. So, not very often, but every now and then I'll meet a pastor who is not tithing himself, and that's going to be a good cause for your church not to thrive financially. You lead the way in that. So, um, tithing, really, really important. That falls under that honor thing. It's threaded through our whole, our whole church. Less than 25%, I read this a couple weeks ago, in the average church in the United States, less than 25% of the church will actually tithe. Wow. So it'd be a good thing for you to try to figure that out with your, your, your database and your households and what are the percentages and what that looks like. Obviously, it's hard sometimes to tell whether someone is tithing or not. Yeah. Uh, but you can try and do your best to try to determine. Number two, number two is vision. Second pillar, vision. Uh, where are we going? Our vision needs to be more than a statement on a wall. It needs to be an intangible feeling in our church. People are thinking, man, this church is doing something. This church is going somewhere. That's, that's, that's a vision that people will give to. We always say, you know, where God guides, he provides, Right? 
and also where, where, where there's action and where there's movement and where there's fruit, people give. It's good. People give. It's good. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you have to. All, I feel like you have to. You have to always be painting the picture for what's going on in your church and where you're going and what you're what you're reaching for. Uh, three three things that we do where finances and vision are concerned. Every weekend when we take the offering, we take the offering in service. We pass the buckets in service. Every weekend when we do that, we tie the giving moment to the vision. So we're telling a story. We're showing a story on video. We're describing something that's happening in church. We're not just saying, hey, here's what the Bible says and let's do it. Um, We're tying, every weekend, we're tying the vision to people's giving. Do you know, if you don't connect the dots, people will connect the dots in their own mind. Wow, that's great. So we're connecting the dot between generosity and vision, and we're doing it every single weekend. We say things like we're not giving to an institution or an organization, we're investing in changed lives. Mm. And so then we'll show a video, and and the end of the video will say something like investing in changed lives. Okay, so we're doing that every weekend. Every year, I'm going to jump to every year, then I'm going to come back to every month. These are three things we're doing where vision and giving is concerned. Every weekend, we're tying vision to change lives, vision to giving. Every year, we have a vision season in our church. So... It begins early October. Well, let me back up earlier in the year. It begins early in the year as we think ahead to what we're going to be doing the following year, our vision season. So every year, there's three or four things we're trying to do as a church. I'm sure you're the same. The, you know, whether you're uh, 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 remodeling a facility or starting a second service or opening a kid, kid's wing or whatever it is, there's things that you're doing in your church. So you, you map those things out from year to year. So in the spring, we're mapping out what we're going to be doing the following year. So we just finished, you know, February, March, we get through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. February, March, April, we're getting into what are we going to be doing in 2020. So we get into that planning mode. Then we get our creative team starting to design what, that, what that's going to look like, Vision 2020. Then we're starting to do some due diligence and what, what is this going to cost financially? A lot of pastors have an exciting thing that they want to do, but they don't really get the real details of what it's going to cost financially. And one of the worst things you can do is say, we're going to remodel this, this, this youth room and everybody thinks it's going to be about 50000 And then when you start getting all the, the, the numbers in, it's about 150000 so get those numbers in before you even announce it so you can know, do the due diligence before. We're doing all that through the spring, through the summer, and then early October, first weekend of October, we're pulling all of our high-capacity givers. We call them vision partners. We're pulling them into a special weekend, and we're launching our vision for the following year. So we're just a couple of weeks away from our one we're doing. We're, you know, Vision 2020, obviously, is for next year. They're going to hear it first. They're going to get some inspiration on that weekend. Then we'll launch it with the church, couple weeks later, and we'll, we'll take our vision offering mid-November for what we're going to do the following year. Mm. And everybody will give above the tithe. This is giving above the, the regular tithe. This is vision giving to what we're believing to do in, for Vision 2020. Everybody tracking with me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> so that's, that's what we do every year. Then every month, okay, every month, People will 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 have a like a vision. We'll have a vision update every month. 
So it's usually the third weekend of the month. All right, we're telling everybody, you know, you give into the vision and you've done this and look, and this is what God's done. And you show a couple pictures or whatever and you're taking, then you're reminding everybody your part, whatever you committed to for vision. You know, this is the, this is the, this is the weekend to give. And so it's kind of like a monthly vision offering based on what people have committed to give for, 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 for the year. Okay, so that's vision. Everybody tracking with me? Any questions about that? I can stop real quick before I move on to the next few pillars. Yeah, can you talk about that monthly thing again? Just what does that look like in the church? Like they're supposed to get more than the tithe, or is it just to reinforce? <clears throat> so when we're in our vision season in October, which we're about to go into, we're talking about in the vision season, we're talking about here's what we're gonna do for 2020, here's what we're gonna do for 2020. And um, and then on the on the vision offering weekend, which is mid-November, big, big weekend for us as a church. People make commitments for the following year of what they're going to give above their tithe for the vision. So we do this every year. We've been doing it for 10 years, 10, 12 years. So, you know, I'm going to give $10,000 above my tithe for Vision 2020. They fill out a little card. And then on that day as well, mid-November, they get, we ask them to give the first part of your commitment. So let's say you make a $10,000 commitment and you get 5000 in that vision offering. So that, that offering becomes the biggest offering we receive every year in the middle of November. Okay, so, you're, so, so you, you committed to 10 you gave five, so you have 5000 left that you'll give over the next 11 months, December, January, February, March, all the way up to the next vision season. So every month, usually people will bring whatever, that, that, whatever part of their commitment that they made. And so we'll celebrate it. It's very brief. It's simultaneous. It's not a separate offering. It's in. It's within the same offering. But we'll say, hey, this is also vision offering. Uh, you know, giving month, get, weekend as you give. You know, as you give your vision, and and, and just a little update on something that we're doing. That, 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 yeah, that, I know that helps. Okay. Yeah. For the vision partner weekend. What yeah. What is that? Vision partner weekend. Uh, there's about. We have about six or seven hundred, huh, Stephen? You want to come up, Stephen? You just come up just in case you jump in. We have about six or seven hundred what we call high capacity givers. Those are people that um, what is their giving? What is their giving level, and how do we differentiate? That? Sure. Um, so people that are envision partners. So we'll talk about this probably in a minute, but we try to segment across the entire congregation, um, giving into different buckets based on amount, based on annual amount. And it, we break it down into five different categories. Um, and vision partners are typically in the top two tiers. Um, so it, uh, the top two tiers would be people that are giving between 5000 and 10000 a year or 10000 and above a year total. That's tithes, offerings, and vision, and everything all together. But usually those are people that have, you know, um, excess capacity. They have, you know, more money, you know, high-capacity jobs. And, and they have a heart to yep. give. They feel like a yep. part of their call. Right. Yeah. Heart for generosity. It's the resource. So right. that vision partners thing we started years ago, and we started with this idea: Do you have do you have a calling to resource the church through financial giving? And people self-identify, and then we also invite based on that database. We invite the top the top givers, and we have a weekend every year. We have a downtown Memphis. We'll have it at the Peabody, someplace like that. Real nice Friday night, and then uh, half a day Saturday. We give people the option if they want to stay downtown, they can stay downtown, and so we'll have a service on Friday night, and then we'll have a we'll have a half a day on Saturday, and that's we'll bring somebody in to kind of encourage everybody just to have fun and bless and impart to them. But then I'm also that's the first time I'm sharing about the next year's vision, right. and I'm doing it first with those high capacity givers. 
they get the knowledge first. They get the insight first. It gives them that pride of being well-informed and, and being connected because they're going to carry, typically, they're going to carry 80% of the next year's vision giving. Yeah. So that's what, it's kind of like a, a, it's just a real nice, nice dinner, nice breakfast. Guest comes in and we give, give everybody a gift of some sort. Um, kind of, an, it's, it, we look at it like an investment in them. Right. Yeah. With those weekends, the vision, I should say, for the next year, is that always towards more of a building project, or is that ministry enhancement as well? It can be anything you want it to be that's vision. Yeah. Uh, there, there are there are obviously, like, like um, different things we could talk about from capital improvements and, right. you know, buildings. and But it, you could, let's say you're launching a, a, a ministry to special needs, and you're going to outfit a room at every location, and yeah. you need to raise a certain amount of money for that. Yeah. Uh, opening a youth room, uh, starting a dream center, whatever. It's, it's vision. Anything that's going to inspire people and help you fulfill another kind of unfolding of the, of, of, of the vision. Yeah. And I always encourage everybody, like, think about, think about like, the, maybe the 15, you know, you could probably make a list of a bunch of things that you want to do. Instead of saying all of them this year, you know, kind of like be be wise and be smart and say, "There's, we could probably do five of these." I'm going to save them. I'm going to save another five for next. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's it, and and also put a few on the list that you you um, that you you know you can do. You feel like you can do. Like you may even have some. You may even have wins. some of the money saved a little bit towards some of those things. And yeah, some wins. Yeah. It's going to create this like, oh, wow, look at Because part of the vision process is you want people to look back and say, this church does what it says. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And when they're raising money, they're fulfilling, yeah. you know, and, and so you're creating that. You're creating that momentum. Yes. Do the people that attend that vision partner weekend know why they're there? And do they recognize the other people in the room as being there for the same reasons? Yeah. yeah. Um, How does that communicate? Well, part of it, part of it for us is it's been going on for 10 or 12 years. Um, so I think the very first time we talked about it, I did a message in church and I taught out of Romans chapter 12 where it talks about the different, you know, different callings and different giftings. And it actually says if it, if it's to give, if it's giving and give generously, you know, and so, but that's a, that's a calling in the church taught on it. We had a card even where people could fill it out. That's how Stephen first came or, or one of the re, one of the first weekends he was in church and yep. kind of self-identified. So you let people sort of self-identify and then um, I think it's just more part of the, yep. the culture of our church. Now I mean if there's a new person that's just coming into church and they automatically they're up at the top levels of right. givers they would get some kind of yeah, that's right. invitation so we're, we're watching, from you, right? We're watching if people are trend, if they're new in church and even if they've only been there for a month or two if their giving is trending toward that kind of high capacity tier, the five different levels I was talking about, annual amounts based on the amount of giving, um, we, we would go ahead and reach out to them and say, hey, we have a team of g- generous givers that we feel like might be a good fit for you. It's a great community of people, you know, it's, you know, whether it's business owners, executives, professionals, like, and, and we feel like it would be a really good fit for you and invite them to an event. And so, yeah, so we're, we're also actively like looking for people and then bringing them in. That would be invitation only. Then you guys are just inviting yeah. people that yep. you see, but that's not open to everybody. Right, it's not open to everybody. Right. Yep. Uh, let me keep going down the list, then we can come back. And, and the third pillar is strategic planning. Strategic planning is the practical side of how we grow and move forward. 
if if vision if vision is there, that's there. That's the picture. Strategic planning is the bridge from from here to there. And again, I feel like this is a part that a lot of pastors ignore. They get the vision, they get excited about it, but they don't do that due diligence, that groundwork. You got to pull people together. You got to get the right. You got to get the, co- the the actual cost of things and what it's going to take and how 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 um, how how probable is this that we can break ground on this on this facility and um, if it, you know. And, and there are some things like we're believing for miracles, but you know, there are some things you believe for miracles with your team. You don't, you know, maybe believe for the miracle with the whole church. Yet, there's just some wisdom in this this whole strategic planning process. And so, ministry planning and strategic planning have to involve money, has to involve finances. And um, just just real quick to, to the, and I met a lot of senior pastors. I feel like I need to say this is um, you need to make sure you're in the know on the money. And you, you, you've got to make sure that you understand the money and the money situation in your church. I, I met a lot of pastors, senior pastors, they're like very like creative and they're just, they're just like, I'm not really good at that, so I'll let somebody else handle that. And I just think like this is one area you don't delegate. Okay, you got to have your hands on the wheel and you're driving the car and there's only two things that control the direction of the of, of the vehicle. It's 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 the, it's people in terms of church. It's people and it's and it's finances. And so you you have to have this understanding of what kind of money's coming in. What are we spending money on? You got to have a sense of that. Now you're going to have people that do that, right? CPAs and accounting people that put the put the reports together and all. That. But you got to be in the know. Otherwise, somebody else is leading that area. And they're actually telling you what you can or cannot do. You have to you have to make that that decision. You have to make those decisions. It comes from information, and it comes from leadership and authority that you have. I always quote this verse: Acts four, verse thirty four and thirty five. Those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. It doesn't say it put it. They put them at the, the feet of the trustees. Yeah. Right. Or the feet of the elders. There's a place for those guys, but put it at the apostles' feet because they were the ones, the rest of the verse says, who distributed it. So if you're the senior pastor, you're the distributor. And so you gotta know, you got you have to know. And there's a lot of freedom with that, a lot of responsibility with that. And we, we'll talk a minute about checks and balances, but you gotta know. So a couple things real quick, just some practical things. I know I'm flying through this, but how do I get info? I get info. Uh, I get info every week. I get a weekly snapshot email about what financially came in that weekend. Once a month, I get a report that details the details of the previous month's income, and I'm looking at that with our financial our financial team. So every weekend, I see the what's coming in on the weekly giving. Every month, I'm looking at the previous month's income statement to note, and I'm, I'm fully in the know. I'm watching the budgets. I'm watching what's being spent, so I can I have a sense and a and a, and a little bit of a you know a, a, you know a, a handle on the even the details. I don't go into detail detail, but I have enough handle on the details, right? So I'm in the know. It's my responsibility. Uh, when it comes to growth. When it comes to growth, I'll just tell you real quick seven things I'm looking at all the time. Attendance, 
first-time guests, salvations, uh, what I call church life, which is small groups, our discovery class, which is our next steps class, and our and our life leadership, which is the leadership development area. That's all number four. Number five, income, six, per person giving, and seven, what I call OCF. So let me talk about five, six, and seven. You guys got the list? Are you good? Uh, number one is attendance. Number two is first-time guests. Number three, salvations. Number four, church life. Number five, income. Six, per person giving. Seven, OCF, which is operating cash flow. Okay, income. I'm looking at the income. I'm watching the income. It's a, it's a determiner to me of people who, how many people are coming in, how many people are buying into the vision, how many people are giving. It helps me understand my our teaching, our discipleship, are people starting to become tithers? What's the what, what's the deal? Number number six per person giving. This is something I heard when we started our church 23 years ago, and I've used it for 23 years. You take your total your total income, all right, total tithe income. We don't include vision in this. Total tithe income, and you divide it by total attendance, including kids and everything. And that gives you a per-person giving number. So, I feel like healthy churches, okay, now I don't know what Orange County is, and I'm sure it's, it's going to be higher than this. Dallas is going to be higher than this. Um, healthy churches are going to be between $30 and $40. $30, 40 So, let's say it this way. If you have 1,000 people in church on the weekend... You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna hope to see on the weekend giving thirty to forty thousand a weekend. That's thirty to forty dollars per person. If you're in the twenties, you're too low. If you're higher than forty, praise God, you're doing amazing. You're in a high income area. You could be in a very poor area, poor poor area, and be below that number. That that's that's true. That can be the case. But I think your goal should be 30 to 40 per, per, per person. That's great. That's a stewardship thing. That, that shows me that, um, that I'm teaching on it enough and effectively, that it's in the lifestyle the, the life, uh, of our church. Okay? Then there's OCF, number, number seven, OCF, operating cash flow. <clears throat> Let me tell you something we learned about eight years ago. Our operating cash flow is the part of our budget that helps pay debt and helps with savings for future projects. So here's what we do. We live off of 70% of our income. And we take 30% of our income, and that's what pays the, the note on our debt and pays for any projects, future expansion, anything that we want to do where vision is concerned. Okay, everybody tracking with me? Yeah. Bank, this is what banks look at. When, when, when you go to a bank to try to borrow money for a loan, they're going to look at your operating cash flow. How much money does this church have to pay the note that they're asking for? And that's not money that's already tied up in all of your other expenditures in the church. That's cash flow. It's above your expenses. And so 30%, 35%, you know, go as hardcore as you can. Operate the church on as little as you have to, so you have cash margin for expansion projects. 
I know some of you have questions about that, so we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, okay. Um, can I keep going? Yeah. Let me go through the let me go through the rest of the pillars, and then we'll come back to we'll come back to to Q and A. Uh, number four is discipline. The bad word. Uh, if it, but if you don't like where you are financially, this is this is the the pillar that will help you get there, because you can exercise some discipline, make some adjustments, and get yourself healthy. <clears throat> so vision is the where, the there where we're going. Strategic planning is the bridge to get us there, but discipline is what's is the hard work that it's going to take, right, to get there. So. Um, I think in terms of money, you need vision discipline and you need budget discipline. Number five is, is integrity. Integrity starts with you, uh, your personal discipline, your personal finances. Uh, this verse in Corinthians is awesome. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. So when we handle our finances personally, but also our, our church finances, right, we want to do everything right. We want to be above board, integrity. Uh, we may not, you know, we may not post all of the details of our finances, but if we did, we wouldn't be ashamed of anything that we posted. That we're, we're, we're transparent in that way and we're handling our finances uh, with integrity. So checks and balances, accountability, internal controls, separation of duties. Anybody knows what all those things are there? They're important things. <clears throat> Number six is what we call stewardship. Stewardship. This is the, the systems, the financial systems that are in place. Like, um, throw out a couple systems, Stephen, that we're or, that are important to us. Sure. Um, I, you, you mentioned some of it in checks and balances. We think about it that way, like making sure that. Um, you don't, you're not, you're not, you know, whether you're the lead pastor or an executive pastor taking and counting the offering yourself. But um, if, if you or like your wife or someone has to be involved, then make sure that you bring other people in for accountability. It's all that, that kind of thing. And the um, separation of duties that Pastor John was talking about would be things like uh, making sure that um, the person who can write checks maybe doesn't have the passcode to the safe. And so there you have different responsibilities so that one person doesn't have all sort of access to all, all finances. So yeah. that's that's some of the like the systems that, that we make sure are in place. Um, do you want to go in some of the processes that we use in church life to sure. increase yeah. stewardship? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would encourage you guys, if you don't have processes in place I'll, I'll, for these four different things, we do these four, and I, I think they work really well. Really what they are are, are uh, follow-up processes. If there's an event, if one of these events happens, what do we do in response? So the first event is if you have someone that gives for the first time. If you, if you, if you have a first-time giver, make sure you have a system in place, whether it's automated or even if it's manual. Um, in the early days, I think some of these things are totally fine to be manual, but you need to be thinking long-term about, as your numbers get much larger, how to scale it because you won't always have time to do it. But first-time giver, um, handwritten thank you note, automated email, just know, uh, know what your process is for, for handling that. Um, and we always like to think about um, at every step what uh, next steps people can take. So even when that goes out, we're, we're encouraging them in that email, not just saying thank you, but hey, uh, did you know that we have um, an online 
platform that's available. You can set up online giving, and it's a lot easier. So we have in mind what we uh, would like to see people move toward, and then we're encouraging them along the way. Um, the second one, uh, the second trigger would be uh, people that give by uh, check or cash in services. So um, we've been prioritizing it for a while, and we're going on sort of a push right now to uh, emphasize it even more, but but pushing online giving. So if people are giving by check or cash in service, we have a process in place that goes and says, thank you for your giving. And again, it pushes them to online. So that's the second one. Third would be uh, large gifts. This one I think is very important. On a weekly basis, I'm pulling down a report um, of anyone that gave over a certain threshold, a certain dollar amount in, in a single gift. And then that list, a lot of times I'll see a lot of familiar names, you know, people that, you know, that's just how much they give on a, you know, every, you know, two week basis. That's their, their tithing and they're just super generous. But every once in a while, you know, every couple of weeks or so, someone new pops into the list. You need to know who those people are. And, it, and um, we believe that uh, affirming and um, being, being generous uh, to people, it, it begats more generosity. Uh, it, so we, we like to be, uh, be there quickly and say, hey, we noticed that you gave a, a large gift. Thank you so much. And here's the way it goes for us. So I run the report, and then I have, uh, we have a Google spreadsheet that's shared with all of our campus pastors. I'll put the name and the amount and the date on there, and then I'll text the campus pastor and say, hey, got someone new on your list. And they'll actually write a handwritten thank you note that week and send out. So that's the process for that. And then the last one is um, uh, uh, have a process in place for when someone signs up. Uh, if you use um, like something like uh, PushPay or some kind of online giving platform and you have the ability for people to sign up for recurring giving, have a process in place when someone signs up for recurring giving um, that you say thank you for that as well. Um, basically, you, you get whatever you incentivize. You get whatever you communicate. And you can't expect people to do what you haven't told them that you prefer for them to do. So if you if you um, want them to give online, make sure you're reinforcing that and moving people toward it. If you want them to give recurring gifts, do that as well. Um, and then, yeah. I think one thing to talk about is that um, thing you noticed as an analyst. St- Stephen, was an, Stephen was an analyst, stock analyst for years, came into our church, newly married, had a heart to be a, a vision partner, eventually came on our staff. But... Uh, you, you you started to know a trend. I think this is something that yeah. everybody. I love when you talk about this. The yep. subscription based. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, out of curiosity, how many of you have a Netflix subscription? I just want to see, or uh, borrow someone that has a Netflix subscription. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and then, what about Spotify? How many Spotify or like um, Apple Music, Apple some Music. kind of subscription music service? Okay, v- majority of the room. So. Uh, I'm not sure if you've thought about it recently, but 10 or 15 years ago, uh, we didn't do it that way. You went and got a single movie for a single price, Blockbuster, um, and we bought songs or albums in single consumption. It was a 99 cents iTunes. That's you download the song or 9.99 for the album. Something happened in business. Something has happened in business over the last decade or so. And it's um, businesses figured out, and, and they've started to reprogram us as consumers to move to a subscription model. So um, people in your congregation are already used to it. Um, this is what they have been programmed by Apple and all big companies to do anyway, so it's not surprising to them if you're encouraging them to move to recurring giving and online automated giving. It's what they're doing already for a lot of their purchases. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is something we've been developing and looking at recently recently. Um, 
we're, we're calling it generosity champions. So this is the way we say it. Anyone who signs up for online recurring giving at the Life Church is considered a generosity champion because you are literally making church and ministry happen every week yeah. for thousands of people. So um, there are a few reasons to, to do this. Um, if you, you know, think about them this way. One, um, you're going to take people that are already giving and are active attenders and increase the stability and consistency of their giving. And one thing that we've been um, uh, working on is developing an on-ramp for people who feel like they their finances are in a position where they just simply can't afford to tithe right now. So we're using it as a discipleship step. And Pastor John, do you want to talk about the what the three different things that tithing is? Yeah, I mean tithing is the bread and butter of our church. I've always taught on tithing and I'm really hardcore we're really hardcore about it, but we realized something and we looked at all the data and we probably don't have time to get in all the details of it, but people will evaluate the tithing principle and realize I can't do 10%, so then they'll just do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So we felt like we needed to help with a step. And so we realized, uh, just Stephen actually, in, in talking, we started talking about what, what is tithing? tithing? Tithing is, number one, it's honoring God. I mean, that's really what it is at its core. You want to honor God. Yeah. Number two, it's an amount, which is 10%. And number three, it's a frequency. It's every time you get paid. Hmm. So... What we realized is people wanted to do the two out. They wanted to honor God big time. And number three, they were willing to do something when they got paid. They just didn't feel like they could afford the 10%. So we're trying to help people say, do something. Don't just yeah. do nothing. Right. But maybe it's you start with 1% and then you go to 2%. And, and, and again, we're not trying to water down the, right. the commitment to tithe. It's more of a, a starting process and a starting point. Do something. And then, and then let let God, you know, see that grow. Right. Keep taking the steps, and so that so that um, that was kind. Of, we kind of just recently started this process with people talking to people. We've already seen great response. I mean, I just I barely introduced it in church on a couple of Sundays ago, and we had I don't know seventy five or eighty people, eighty giving units yep. start giving. It, the result was I don't, seven. Was it like seventy thousand or sixty thousand in new income? To, to more the, like a hundred. More like a hundred thousand. Yeah, in new income, just because people, and it's and it keeps it keeps growing, you know, because it's like well, because I I, I I appeal to people. I say you love your church. Yeah, we love our church. Well, and you're not giving anything. Mm. You're given nothing. So, Pastor John, I, what, I, what um, he was alluding to, and I think I can break it down really quickly, is we looked at the five giving tiers, and let me give them to you quickly. The low, uh, with, we, we call them starting, rising, intermediate, exceptional, and high capacity. So starting, these are people, these are households that are giving between 0 and $200 a year. Okay. And then you have rising. These are people that are giving between two hundred and a thousand dollars a year. Intermediate is between a thousand and five thousand. Exceptional is five thousand to ten thousand, and high capacity is ten thousand plus. Now watch this. You can do the quick math in your head and see intermediate. That um, one thousand to five thousand dollars a year is around the area toward the middle upper band of that, depending on what area of the country you live in. That's what represents a tithe. You know, like. 
$5,000 a year, $50,000 salary, that's tithing. Okay, so intermediate is where you start to get people that are tithing. This is why we started thinking we should use um, this technology, recurring online recurring giving as a discipleship tool, because if you take the, the lower two buckets, starting and rising, they, they were only giving a, a gift in about between two and three months of the year. But once you get to people who feel like they can afford the amount, the, con- the frequency goes up to about nine to ten months of the year. So that's, that can paint a picture and let you see that if people feel like they can't afford the amount, then they, it's not – do you see it? So their, their, their frequency also falls off. So if we break it down like Pastor John was talking about, we can use this as a discipleship step to get people at least consistent and then, and then work up. I'm sorry. Could you repeat those five again? Yep. So, the amounts – Starting, Starting is uh, zero to two hundred, rising uh, two hundred to a thousand, intermediate is a thousand to five thousand, exceptional five thousand to ten thousand, high capacity ten thousand, ten thousand and up. And I'll, I'll just say something real quick too. You know, a lot of lot a lot of churches have focused in the past just on the top two tiers. Yeah. And so with this generosity champions and reoccurring giving and getting people to just do something, we're trying to engage the lower. Uh, the lower level tiers just to get them involved some way. And we all know, right, if they do something, God's going to meet them right where they are and bless them and do something in their life. So anything that that we can do to get get them to move forward. Let me give you the seventh pillar, which is generosity, and then we'll do Q&A for a few minutes. Seventh pillar is generosity. Um, This is cultural. By the way, I've studied, and, and I know many of you have too, I've studied the great churches the great churches around the world, and and even though there might be totally different cultural identities in those churches, there are a few things that are the same. One of them is the great churches have a generosity culture. Right. They give. They bless. I have never met a great senior pastor. I'm just saying senior pastors. I've never met a phenomenal senior pastor leading a phenomenal church who was stingy and who was a cheapskate and who didn't want to bless. Um, and so you lead the way if you're a senior pastor in this spirit of generosity. When Leslie and I started our church 23 years ago, we looked at each other and made a commitment that we would we were going to do everything we can to be in the top 10 givers of our church. Wow. That was our desire. I didn't know how we would do it, but we've done it by God's grace. We're in that. We're in the top 10. And so I, I'm I'm proud of that. Um, I, I don't want to be arrogant about it, but I'm proud of it because I'm not asking anybody to do what I haven't done. Right. Right. And so um, so let's be generous. We're building that generous culture in our church. We're blessing people. We're giving finances away as a church. And then we're raising up people that have a heart and a, and a, and a spirit of generosity. So I think those are the seven pillars. Any questions you have for Stephen or me or any of the things that we talked about, we can go back. I guess what twenty? How long we have? Fifteen, twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and yeah, we ended at two thirty. Okay, so yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, in person giving versus online giving, is there a percentage breakdown you guys have? What percentage are giving? Sorry, people who are watching live online, people who are giving through watching live online versus people. I don't know anybody that's giving live online. I mean, there's there's some. There's that, that's that last. Yeah, there, there's that's some, that last group. There's some. It's not substantial though. But our digital giving is eighty something percent, yeah, which uh-huh. I so I think that's what you strive for. You, right. you know, we're striving to get. I mean, if all our giving was digital, one hundred percent of it, you know, ninety five percent, whatever you want to say, because there are some people who are just going to be diehards and give in the service, um, which is fine. Uh, 
but that's a that's the part we're trying to work on. I don't know how many people are online viewers. I don't think it's many. It's some because there's that that yeah. last line in that weekly income snapshot yep. is that text to give or other. Right. I think that's coming from. So there, but it's a very there's small. Some, but it's small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, sir. How do you overcome the set it and forget it mentality of a recurring giver? Say again. The set it and forget it mentality of a recurring giver. How do you kind of coach to that? Or like, you mean like we're trying to encourage people to do say that? I said it at two hundred dollars, and I go buy three years, and I haven't moved that up. Uh, yeah. Like, how would you? That's a great. That's a great thought. That's, that's a great, great question. We're, we're involved, I think. Yeah, that's so. When I'm thinking through those five different tiers, if someone is in, um, if they're if if they're below the tithing level. Then um, I think annually you go to them and you you know who those people are and you go to them and say hey thank you so much for your consistent generosity it's really make a different a difference in people's lives and then use it as a moment to challenge them mm-hmm. and ask them say hey if if you feel like God's you know really been working and moving in your finances do you have faith to join us and you know and then ask Good. them to move up to the next tier so if the top le- if um, that starting tier let's take let's take someone that um, is in that starting band zero to two hundred dollars so that's that's five dollars a week four to five dollars a week okay and if that's what they're signed up for online recurring giving for maybe you encourage them to move to whatever you know the middle of the next tier up middle of the rising tier or something like that so what well, could you ten dollars a week fifteen I, I think the, the the biggest answer is to have somebody who's on it yeah who's watching the data right who's thinking about process. Um, I, I feel like it's like um, like we're doing ourselves a disservice as a church, and I know your budgets are different and whatever, but get somebody who is thinking about financial development in your church, who's watching the statistics, who's mining the data. Stephen just started this with us, but he would have done this in his in his job, yeah. you know, because he had a heart for the church. He would you would have done it as a volunteer, right. yep. given this kind of service to, to, to the yeah. church. There's analysts and there's people in your church that love this kind of stuff, yep. that just love getting into the data and figuring things out. And if there's somebody you trust and they have a heart for the church, man, I would let them, I'd let them loose on your 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 database and your info and start creating. We we created all the. I mean, you know, learning from others, but those five whatever the five right. categories on our database, we created those names and those amounts. And, and you can do that. You can change them. You can do something different. Right. It's just, it's more of the principle behind it all is somebody's owning this and you're not just depending on a couple of minutes on the weekend to give an offering message, I think. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the moment in the service? I mean, I know you talked about connecting to the vision. Do you have thoughts on like who should be taking that moment or anything else that should happen there? I don't. I don't have any. I, we have a heart to raise up communicators, and so we have people all over all our campuses taking the offering. And that's not. There's nothing um, spirits extra spiritual about it. Well, like the language. Maybe. Yeah, but so we. Points? But we have a script. Yeah. We have scripting that goes out, and um, so. If you get up and you do the offering and you go off script, you might not do the offering again, you know, or it'll be a while. Um, so you got to take it seriously. We're trained people to do it. And, but, but there is, so there is a script. So, and it comes from kind of the heart, kind of the, the lead, kind of lead team, you know, out to the, out to the campuses and out to the different services. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Being, being intentional about what you say and everybody's kind of saying the same thing. And there's inspiration around it. That's to me the, the key. Yes, sir. Uh, you talked about, I guess the word I'd use is recognizing those top tiers yep. in an annual uh, 
get together offsite, sure. if you if you will. Have you tested anything out relative to recognizing in any way, shape, or form those in the lower tiers? We just tested something out and it failed miserably <laughs> because um, those guys are on the bottom tier and there's inconsistency in their life. Yep. Not only is their giving inconsistent, a lot of things in their life are inconsistent. So yep. you invite them to something and they'll say yes and then one third will show up. Or less. Or less, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we tried an event. We said, let's try this. It was, it, it was a bomb. It, it right. was a disaster. I guess where I was yeah. going with in terms of testing is one of the buzzwords in the industry right now is observability. Giving people, having people see their names and lights, if you will. Okay. And so I guess the, the question, one of the thoughts that we're toying with is this idea of at all different levels, as we have segregated these folks, is to be able to do something to recognize them in some way, shape, or form. It may not be an event. Yep. Because of the, the cost relative to doing an event, but something even on a lower level. Everything from bumper sticker to sure. something to say that I'm a regular contributor. Oh, no, we are doing that. So, yeah. okay, we, yeah. so we, we started this thing called Generosity Champions. Okay, so now when we take the offering on the weekend, there's two ways to give, digitally or in service. If you give digitally, we want to encourage you to be a recurring giver, and we call those Generosity Champions. You'll even see the logo on the screens. If somebody signs up for recurring giving, they'll get an email from Stephen or one of the campus pastors. Thank you for signing up for recurring giving. We've got a gift for you. And uh, and then those are distributed out to the campuses so that, it, so say you signed up for it, then you'd get an email from your campus pastor. Does it come from you or the campus pastor? Campus pastor. That you'll get an email from your campus pastor. Then you show up at the resource area that weekend. Your campus pastor will give you this gift. It's a box. I think it's got, what, a T-shirt, a keychain, A note from you and Pastor Les. A note from us. And so, and and uh, he'll just say, "Hey, thank, thanks for being a generosity champion." Is that is that kind of what you're talking about? Spot on. Yeah. Yep. So we're we're working that. Yeah. That's just getting started in our. And you've seen positive response. To that, so right? far, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, you've had your hand up a long time. That's Sorry. Right. This is my workout. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I'd love to actually see your language the way we can get a copy of your script because that's part of what I do at our church. Yeah. I'd love to see how you do that, but more importantly is. Do you, and I missed the first part, you probably already said this, but you sound like you theme on generosity and giving consistently, but you teach on it on some kind of regular basis. What part of the year do you find best to teach uh, a series on giving, or do you do it that way? I do a series probably every other year. Every other year. But twice a year in the month, usually the month of January is a great time to teach. Mm-hmm. I teach on tithing, start your year off right, honoring God, and then I'll teach on tithing again right around this time, uh, around the second or third week of September. Before we get into our vision season, I want to mention tithing. And then every other year, I'll do a couple of three or four weeks on on on, on generosity, on stewardship, on, on finances. By the way, can I just give a plug real quick for something we do at our church four times a year? If you get on our church website at thelifechurch.com, we do four times a year, we do they're called whiteboard sessions. They're for, they're for lead pastors, and you can bring a couple of your guys with you. In fact, we encourage you to bring a team with you. We limit it to um, 80, 80 pastors usually. We do it four times a year around four different subjects. The, the fourth one is, all, is about money. We just finished it. We just did the fourth one. We're starting over 2020, so we'd love for you to be a part. If you have questions about it, you can stop and ask Stephen or I or Adam Bartlett in the back too. Did you have a question? Yeah, you said something earlier on you said that you do once a month vision updates. 
So yeah. does that mean you're doing that like full months? Like so every month you're yes. talking about so the only month we wouldn't do it is in in November when we're taking our vision offering. Okay. And then I think December we're still take we take our vision offering, our big end of the year offering in mid November okay. so we can take it for six weeks. Okay. So people will start a lot of people usually fifty percent of what comes in year end giving comes in that weekend, November sixteenth and seventeenth. Okay. The next weekend another twenty five percent comes in. And then the rest of the year spread out another 25%. In other words, of, of that big vision offering that comes in. So you don't just take it one time. You take it, you're taking it the rest of the year, basically. That's why we do it a little earlier. I know some guys do it in December, but November gives us time to continue to, continue to take it. Anybody else have a, a question? Yeah. So um, you have a big push to put people online giving, yet you still have to play. What's your thought on that? Um, uh, well, we, we have 82% coming in digitally, so there's 18% that comes in in the services. Versus having like a box offering boxes. Yeah, we have boxes. We tried something this summer, uh, and we did it for four weeks. Sounds right. And uh, we, we, we lost 10% of, of, of our income. By not passing the plate. By not passing the plate. That 18% that's given in service... People are passionate about it, and active worship. Active worship, and um, so yeah, could they have gotten online? Could they have found somebody? Yes, of course they could have done all those things. But we brought it back quickly because (laughs) (laughs) it is eighteen percent of your income that comes in the services. I think for us too, also, generosity is a value. Yeah, and that that offering forces us to really be intentional in talking about generosity and vision. Yep. Where we wouldn't do that any other time. And so it's uh it is an act of worship. That's a good point. If you if you're not passing the bucket then you know do you take that time still in the service flow to talk about online giving probably not. So then it just gets it maybe gets so lost. It, right. It. So it's a good it, and these days you know we're trying so hard to be efficient with our weekend services. Mm-hmm. And I think it's smart, but look, you know Stop and take a moment to celebrate generosity. Right. I think that's that's been that's valuable for us. Yep. But I'm, I'm, I like to try things, so we try a lot of stuff, and then you know a lot of it doesn't work. You know, but a lot of it, a lot of it, we like. Hey, that really works. You know. Yes, ma'am. Have you found a certain point in service that's more effective um, with giving middle to end? No, we've tried all kind of different things because some people are like they'll tell you. At the end of the service, after everybody's been fed the word and been ministered to, um, which is awesome. But we, we do it in the middle or the end, and it's, we see no difference in that level of giving. So I like it better in the middle. This is me personally. I like it better in the middle because then there's nothing after my preaching. I can go worship. I can do a little flow time. It makes the service, actually, for me, it makes the service feel more shorter than having a whole other couple things you're doing after the message, just for me personally. So, I mean, but I'm pretty important, so, you know, it feels good to me, it feels good, that's what I said. Yes, yes, sir. Uh, we're about a six-year-old church. We're about a year and a half away from relocating to a different, or needing to find a different facility. So we talked about doing a vision drive just for our future, you know, it's over a year away. Yeah. How do you feel about something? I think it's great. I mean, I think, you know, People get tired of giving to something they don't see right. any results. Uh, a year is not too long, but 
if you if you're always raising money for a building you're never building right. or buying, I think people start to get. Yeah. But you say probably they get frustrated, they get weary. It's like, well, what are we doing? Right. You know, so probably maybe a year push hard for that year. Yeah, or I would just be like, I would just, I would maybe if I were you, I would say we're starting a building fund, and we start saving money. And I'm asking you to start getting to that because we need a building, right? Hey, everybody will agree with you. And so you're not promising, hey, next year at this time we're going to have a building, or we're starting to build, we're starting to look for land, or we're starting to just say we're starting a, a, a vision. You know, you know right. what I'm saying? So it, it makes you feel more like, oh, this is going to be. Now I don't know how motivated people will, will be to just start right. chunking money in that fund, right. but until you have something concrete and you know this is what. Yeah. You know, right. you'll be able to raise money more efficiently, I think, when you have that. But in the meantime, people understand the value of it. They know you're going to have to do it. Let's start saving some money, and I, I think it's, I think it's great. Yes, ma'am. Um, one thing that you had noticed about passing the plate, you had mentioned that we have an older generation still yeah. in our church, and they do not like online giving. Right. Yeah. Some of them don't even like trust, and they like to. You still do cash. Yeah. You take cash, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this session from the Art Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming Art Conference, visit artconference.com.